Praise the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Say good evening to your neighbor with a smile, with a smile. Okay. <clears throat> Today we are um, starting a new series, which we are totally excited about. Praise the Lord. And um, it's, it's titled, Chair Up, Chair Up. We will be looking at the five Ds that attempt to prevent us from rejoicing. We'll be dismantling the five Ds that tries to stop our chair and try to make us gloomy instead of cheerful. Praise the name of the Lord. Today, we are tackling the first D, the first of the five Ds today. And that D is the D of depression. I will say depression. Depression. Depression is a complex word. It's a very complex word. Um, it's, it's like the word love. You know, very complex. It's a very complex word. Um, I could say, I love my, um, my dog, and I love my mom, I love my wife, even though I don't like dogs. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> okay, no offense. If you like dogs, okay, you can keep your dogs. But, you know, the, we've used the same love, and I'm sure you know they mean different things. When I say, um, I love my cat, and I say I love my wife, it's not the same, is it? But the same word. So the, the depression is like that. It's, it's like, it's, it's a spectrum. And today, God is going to dismantle depression in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. When people are depressed, some people, when they open section, if you are new to Thrive, um, you should have an outline, and the outline has four sections, the open section, the study and discussion section, the, the commit section, and the closing section. So it is Bible study. You'll be filling in the blanks as we go on. So the opening question in your outline says that some people turn to food when they are depressed. Such people are called depressed eaters. What <laughs> have you seen people turn to when they are depressed? And what do you struggle with when you are depressed? We all have experienced depression at different times, in different degrees, and we all turn to different things, you know, to suit our depression. 
Some people turn to games, you know. I used to be one of such, you know. And there was a time I used to turn to food to pacify my depression. I just like Akara, you know, the one you buy from the roadside. That is what, you know, we just make you, you know, cool. <laughs> but <laughs> when the Akara finishes, what happens? <laughs> You're back to square one. So those things are just palliatives, you know. And, and because we are using them to shock things, some people turn to coke. I, I, I'm answering it myself. I want you to answer. Do we have the mics? So what have you seen people turn to, you know, to, as palliatives, to, to numb their pain of depression? It's like, it's like they are um, coke, if you will. So what do you see people turn to? Who, is there a hand there? There's a hand there. There's another hand there. Keep the hands up. They will give you a mic. And what do you struggle with? Or have you been? Or do you used to struggle with? <laughs> yes. Go on. God. Um, some people turn to walk. Or yes. um, sleep. Some people turn to sleep. They are depressed. Just sleep it away. Then when you wake up, what happens? <laughs> That's true. So what do you, what have you struggled with? Hey, mama. That's a nickname. I'm the only one allowed to call Sleep. her that nickname. Yeah. What did she say? Sleep. Oh, sleep. And you're hiding. There's <laughs> nothing to be ashamed about. Today, you're going to learn how to dismantle depression and destroy it totally. You will sleep normally, but not because you want to um, knock yourself out. Okay, yes. Religion, not relationship. Religion. Can you explain that? Um, religiously going to church and attending meetings, not necessarily having a relationship with God, but trying to fill a void that still did not get filled at the end of the day. Absolutely. So religiosity... You know, you have a void, you just run to church, you're attending tribe, you attend all the women's program. And it's not so much as in you're seeking Christ or you're seeking relationship with God. You know, we've used God or rather church as a palliative. Thank you. That is a very unusual. So which one have you struggled with? Food. I can't hear you. Food. Food. Eat your sorrow away. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Food. So who, 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 else, who else wants to say, wh which ones have you struggled with? Let's just sh go straight to that. Give her the, the mic and give her the mic. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just wanted to share about somebody I know. When she's depressed, she just goes to her wardrobe and starts to dress up. Dress up. So she just wears all her clothes. She matches them for tomorrow, next tomorrow, for the whole month. Okay, that wow. But I, food. Food. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, one more, yeah. Okay, when some people are depressed, yeah. they tend to smoke and drink alcohol. Right. Most times. Substance. Yes. Abuse. Absolutely. <laughs> so which one have you dealt with? Okay, when I'm depressed, I spend money. 
I just, just start spending just money, start spending even all money. the money I've saved. <laughs> I just be buying stuff just to make myself happy. Ah, so God is about to make you richer today. Yeah. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> because you will learn how to dismantle depression and your money will grow in Jesus' name. Amen. I want a man to speak. Guys, how do we tackle this thing? You know, the ladies are, are more open, more vulnerable. Yeah. Okay, there's a hand there. There's a hand there. Okay, so let's take those two first. Guys, um, quickly, how, how does that go with you? What have you seen? Yeah. Praise God. Um, for me, um, if I'm like depressed, I like playing PS4. I just be playing games all through. Just be playing games? Games. Okay, so you're like me. Or rather, you're like how I used to be. <laughs> I say play games, but I don't do it for depression anymore. Yeah. Praise, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. For me, I like going to view center to watch matches and preview matches. What about no, when no. there is no match? Well, I like going to where they play ball, watch the game they play. Okay. Thank you. Okay, one more. Let's, okay, there, there are two. Just, just, just to quickly, then we, we, we get into Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When some people are maybe depressed, they, they turn into anger. They're angry with people around, things around. Okay, you, Uncle. When I'm depressed, I, I turn into prayer. Hmm. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Give him the mic. Give him the mic. Give him the mic. Uh, I'm not doubting your spirituality. Uh, I'm not doubting your spirituality. Uh, so, before you learned how to be turning into prayer. Yeah, I like game. So, most of the time I watch. I don't even like uh, watching the, uh, movies, but I like football. So okay, I, so, you, so you, you, yeah. you, watch, you used to watch yeah. football before you discovered prayer. Okay, fine. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I just, TV, I just turn on the TV. And so you I, just, I just binge on TV. Yes. You know, anything you find yourself binging on, it is, it is um, a source of addiction. It's something that is taking the place of God. It's something you need to dethrone. Praise the name of the Lord. Depression, including clinical depression. And you see, we're going to talk a little bit about clinical depression, which is largely out of the scope of this teaching. But, you know, and we're going to see how we should tackle it. It's a symptom. It is not a sin. Depression is a symptom. It is not a sin. It's a symptom. It is not only not a sin, it is not the source. So when you feel depressed, it's a symptom of something. So sleeping won't solve it. Taking coke won't solve it. Taking substances will not solve it. Um, uh, eating will not solve it. It just leaves us in a more dependent state, which is not God's will for us. And if you are here, you are dealing with clinical depression. You see, there's a lot you are going to learn today. And 
However, you need a lot more. And I'm going to point you in the right direction. I'm going to um, tell you what we're going to be doing as a church. You need a lot more. So let's dive into the study and, and discussion questions. Our text is from 1 Samuel 1, 1 to 18. 1 Samuel 1, 1 to 18. We are going to read together from the screen. Can you see the screen? Okay, let's read together. One, two, go. There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah. Let's rise on our feet, please. In the hill country of... He was the son of... Son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Anna and Penina. Penina had children, but Anna did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Ophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children, and though he loved Anna, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Anna would, sorry, so Penina would turn to Anna and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would turn to Anna as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Anna would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you not crying, Anna? Elkanah would ask, why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than 10 songs? Once after sacrifice, Anna got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at the customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Anna was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if being... He thought he had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking. But I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. 
The Lord bless the reading and understanding of his words in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. You see, some say it takes 12 muscles to smile and 50 muscles to frown. Some other report says it takes 16 muscles to frown and 64 muscles Sixteen to smile, sixty-four to frown. I just didn't add up. Another report says it takes ten to smile and a hundred muscles to frown. I don't know which is right, if any, at all. But I know that I prefer smiling to frowning. Praise the name of the Lord. So you're going to just turn to your neighbor and look at them. Just look at them. Are they smiling or are they frowning? If they are frowning, say to them, calm down. Jesus is Lord. He's still on the throne. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, now I want you to do something. You, I want you to, you see that big green of the smiley on the screen? I want you to give your neighbor the gift of the smile. Smile, look at them and smile, gone. Praise the name of God. I mean, you see, the truth is this. Everybody likes the company of someone that is cheerful. Nobody likes a grouch. No one. So, and it's interesting how we know that, yet sometimes we, we add that in our relationships. Then we wonder, how come... My husband can't stand me. Or how come my wife can't stand me? Or how come my colleagues can't stand me? Because you are always franking your face. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So apart from, apart from just motivating yourself to be cheerful, how can I, from within, cheer up? Even when everything wants to make me depressed. So how do I cheer up when I am supposed to be depressed? How do I cheer up and not eat food, watch binge on TV, binge on alcohol, or game, or Wear all my dresses in my closet, my shoes, my socks. Sleep and wake up. How can I cheer up in spite of the fact that I should be depressed? 
five things. These five things will change your life. Praise the name of the Lord. The first is this. For me to cheer up when I should be depressed, number one, I need to admit how I feel. I need to admit how I feel. You see, sometimes we tend to feel bad that we are feeling bad. You know, I, I mean, I, 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 I struggle with that. I'm, I'm, I'm upset that I'm upset. Then I'm, I'm, I want to get depressed that I'm beginning to feel depressed. <laughs> so I'm like, why am I feeling this? So I begin to kick myself for trying to be depressed and wonder why am I feeling this way? And it gets worse, gets worse and worse. Praise the name of the Lord. Because I keep running from my feelings. Men, we are experts at hiding from our feelings. Women do too. We are not in touch with our emotions. So God is saying to you and I, stop running from what you feel and stop denying it. Face up to it. If I am to be cheerful in spite of the economic depression that is trying to make me emotionally depressed, I must admit how I feel. Proverbs 15.13 says to us, with a heartache comes depression. So sometimes when your heart is broken, you, you get depressed. With a, I mean, so somebody wants to give you a job, all of a sudden it changes his mind, it breaks your heart. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, <laughs> you know, this series has been planned while I was in the U.S. Okay? Is that okay? When, when, when I came in here on last Saturday and God was telling me about people that were crying, you know, that have been crying, and I made a call. I was shocked at the number of people. You know, for me, which was like, wow, people really need to cheer up. And we've announced it way before I came back. Okay? So this message may get very personal. Don't think it's pastor talking to me. Okay, yes, I am actually talking to you. <laughs> Beyond that, God is talking to you. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I just kind of feel that. I just felt I should address it. So, with a heartache comes depression. Sometimes stuff happens that want to keep us down, that want to make us depressed. The first thing is don't deny it. Don't push it away. Don't shrug it off. Don't play Superman. Don't play powerful girl. Don't play, admit the fact that it hurts. You see, because it doesn't matter what caused the heartache. It could be love issues. It could be economic issues. Like in many parts of the world. It could be the U.S. elections. I kid you not. Some people are depressed that Trump is president of the U.S. I know people people that I know, I know the people. 
When the polls, just the polls, when Hillary's number was coming down, they could not sleep. They were not related to her. She doesn't even know you. She doesn't even care if you exist. Maybe. Then Trump wins. You lose. Someone said, said to his wife, I've lost my appetite. You better get it back. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Even if you live in the U.S., get your appetite back. Because Jesus is still on the throne. Whether it is Trump that is president of the U.S. or Hillary Clinton. Oh, we just break their heads for nothing. So, real things happen that sense us on different paths emotionally. First Samuel 1 Samuel 1.7 says, Anna will be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Verse 10 says, Anna was deep in anguish and crying bitterly. But one thing Anna did is that she admitted, she admitted how she felt. In verse 15, Anna, the living Bible says, I am very sad. I'm very sad. The GW version says, I am depressed. So it's okay to admit the challenge. And the first step to healing is to admit. The first step to healing is admitting how I am feeling. The first step to healing is, is what? Admitting how I am feeling. So for me to cheer up when I'm feeling depressed, the first step is for me to admit how I am feeling. The second step is for me to find a safe place. Everybody say a safe place. It's for me to find a safe place. You see, you need a place that you know is safe. A place that you can do what we have said in point one, which is admitting that it hurts. And it is okay. A place where you can tell somebody your struggles and your heartache, and it's okay to be you. You need a safe place. For me to be cheerful, to cheer up, when I'm feeling depressed, I need a safe place. I need to find a safe place. You know, there's, there's a psalm that is very, I find it very powerful in um, the NCV version, Psalm 26, verse 12. Psalm 26, verse 12. It says that I stand in a safe place. Lord, I praise you. I stand in a safe place. I praise you, oh God. In the congregation of your people, another translation says, in the great meeting, I praise you. 
So you need to find a place, a safe place. You see, when we are depressed, we just want to sit down or lay low or lay down. You just want the world to forget about you. But God is saying that is when you need to stand in a safe place. We just want to recoil into our shell and shut everybody off and just lie there and lick our wounds. Why? Because standing takes more effort than sitting and lying down. It takes effort to stand. We just want to stay away from people. We just want to be depressed. But God says, for you to cheer up in spite of the depression, you need to find a safe place. For me to cheer up in spite of the depression, I need to find a safe place. Anna knew where the safe place was for her. She knew where the safe place for was. If you look at verse 9 of 1 Samuel 1, in your outline, verse 9 says, Anna went over to the tabernacle. Eli the priest was sitting at the sanctuary, customary place, beside the entrance. Anna found a safe place in God's house. Praise the name of the Lord. She knew that the tabernacle is a place of refuge. And that at the tabernacle, she could be honest, she could be open to God, she could pour her heart out. And no one was going to laugh at her. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, because the truth is that the last place we want to be when things don't work sometimes is church. For some reason, we've, we've, we've come to think that church is a place where you go off to show off. So when things are good, that is where you go to church so that you can show off your new ride, show off your new bag, show off your new shoes, show off your new wife, show off your new husband, show off your new... But church is a refuge beyond that, way beyond that. It's okay for you to have new things, God, praise God. But way beyond that, the church is the place where the presence of God is. Anna was not familiar with God's presence. They, it, it wasn't the first time they were coming to Shiloh. They were coming regularly year after year after year. She hasn't you see sometimes because you come to church regularly you can think that you have come to an ordinary place. Anna knew that the fact that I was, I've been coming to church regularly, she did not take God for granted. She wasn't familiar with God. She knew that I can be safe in God's presence. Praise the name of the Lord. And that is, that is big. And in case you haven't discovered yet, many of us have discovered this, but in case you have not discovered yet, God's favorite house is a safe place. 
Praise the name of the Lord. So you can, you can fill in the blank. You can write God's favor, capital letters only, please. Please. Let it be bold so that when your neighbor or your friend picks it up, they can read it. God's favorite house is a safe place. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, when we talk about the safe place, you need a minimum of two safe places. I was a minimum. You need a minimum of two <laughs> safe places. Number one, you need a place where you can openly express your worship to God. You need a place where you can openly express your worship to God. That's your first safe place. Anna came to Shiloh. Shiloh was a safe place for her. A place where she can openly, publicly, unashamedly express her worship to God. That's number one. Everybody needs that safe place. It's indispensable. Number two, that it's also indispensable. These two are crucial. They are indispensable. And number two, you need a small group. You need a body of believers. You need a few friends that are Christians where you can be free to share your struggles. So you need a small group where you can be free to share your struggles with other people. We are a church of small groups. At the small groups that are life groups, we pray one for another. Every week we meet, we pray for another. True or false? If you are not in a life group, so who is praying for you? Who is, who is trusting God with you? We have departmental groups set up. It's a form of small groups. For instance, if you are in, let's say, um, give me a department. <laughs> choir. If you are in the choir, for instance, even though you are in a live group, you, are, you have double shield. Because one way or the other, that's, that's the way God sets it up. One way or the other, there will be people you have affinity to. There will be somebody you can pray for. There will be somebody that can pray for you. There will be somebody that you can talk to. You see, the truth is that if you come to church and you're in a small group, you're missing a huge part of what God has for you. That's the truth. And if you're in a small group, either from departmental level, you work out, a life group, a combination, and, you, and there's no one you can open up to, you can put your heart to, you are robbing yourself. Say, but pastor, how do I trust these people? I know it takes time to trust people. I, I know that. But the truth is that God always, always makes provision for somebody that can come alongside you and strengthen you. That's safe place. Is required. So, and I'm going to show you from, from this, from Anna, 
story. So number one, you need a place where you can openly express your worship to God. Number two, you need a small group where you can be free to share your struggles with others. Now, I did mention clinical depression. If you are struggling with clinical depression, in addition to these first two, you need a third place. And like I said, depression is a spectrum. On the end, it's like when you have, you know, I, on Sunday, this weekend, one of my friends, our family friend, my wife and I, um, she's a, she's a um, um, medical doctor. She's a, she's a consultant psychologist. I hope I get it, got it right. I mean, that's... So there's, there's something she's really working on which she calls discovery, turning risk into discovery. You know, and, and she, she just decided to worship with us online on Sunday, and she was fascinated at, the, at Hook's Law, you know, because she had forgotten Hook's Law because she was in biological sciences. And I said, it is forgiven. But anybody in physical sciences that forgets Hook's Law is not forgiven. Only when you get to heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, so she used an illustration. She sent me a video of one of the works she's been um, having. And the illustration she used is so, so powerful of the rubber band. And she pulled the rubber band and pulled the rubber band. And you see, every stressors, we talked about stress on Sunday. Stress and all those factors makes it easy for us to be depressed, for human beings to be depressed. So when you are being stressed, you are being stretched. And every time you are being stressed, you are being stretched. And if you don't have a way of turning the risk into recovery, everybody has an elastic limit. So you get to a point where the pressure applied on the, on the material is more than the flexibility of the material. Then the material snaps. When in material snaps, then you begin to talk about that they need intervention. Then talking about clinical depression, talking about mental health issues. And those things need to be tackled with a lot of focus. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so if, if um, the issues of clinical depression and other mental health issues, they require professional and focused spiritual attention. Professional, as far as therapy is concerned, it is, it is so important. You know, sometimes we, we try to spiritualize everything. However, from the clinical standpoint, it is too easy to start medicating people just like that. They just start giving you giving people drugs, which is not right, which is not good. However, from a care standpoint, it is so important. Praise the name of the Lord. So, in God's Favorite House, we are, we are working on the ground on, on setting up depression support groups so that... <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. So that people... Can be, can be helped before they snap. 
And so people, people can be helped in a biblical way. So we have Christian counselors. So it's, in fact, we are going to, it's going to be set up by professionals, Christian counselors. We're going to bring people from all over the world to help us set it up. And we have people in Nigeria also. Praise the name of the Lord. Why? Because people have tried to tackle advanced stages of clinical depression alone with prayer and fasting. Look, I believe in prayer. I'm sure you know that. I may put doubt that I believe in prayer and fasting because I'm about to say some things here that can offend some very spiritual people. When I have seen cases where people are going through some serious, they've snapped, they, it's, it's gone, they've gone to the end of the spectrum. They are dealing with issues of clinical depression and they, they think they need to fast more and pray more. Then these people start hearing strange voices. Then they begin to say it's God that is telling them. And people have done crazy things saying God told me. God told me to do Oh, no, no, you are just depressed. You need help. You know? A lady called me. <laughs> you know, anyway. Oh, Pastor Gideon does love me to know this story. A lady called me at 4, 4.30, 4 4.20 a.m. She called me at least 24 times. I didn't pick the call. So, when it was morning, I called her. She was telling me, oh, God said, you should do this. God said, God, no. I listened to her. I'm like, I had a huge burden for her. I, 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 it's, it's, it's now, the scale is snapping. And when people wouldn't listen, there's, there's so much you can do to help them. Do you know that? So when you have issues of clinical depression, it should, yes, it should be handled with, from, with specialists. Which is why we said we are spending time to set up those groups in church and connected with professional bodies outside of church, obviously. Praise the name of the Lord. So that the name of God will not be brought to disrepute. We have Christians committing suicide after fasting and praying. Something is wrong with that. Don't you know something is wrong with that? A very popular man of God I really respect. He lost his son. The guy shot himself. And it's, it's so big in my heart because we love to pray with people. We love to see miracles happen. And those chemical imbalances, how many people know God created everything, including the hormones and the chemicals in our brains? And he did. We've had people that are gone mad, as in really mental. 
by the grace of God, we've prayed for them. God has healed them. They are, they are well today. I've seen that happen. So I don't have a problem with praying. I'm just saying if you need help, get help. Which you are going to see. But see the fact, my wife is doing a master's in clinical psychology. Now, in, in, in one of the most respected Christian schools. So from the, from a Christian university. So from, from, so it's going to come from a biblical standpoint. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, when I am depressed and I'm overwhelmed with the spirit of depression, how do I cheer up? Number one, I need to what? Number two, I need to. I need to what? Find a safe place. How many compulsory safe places are there? And people that are struggling with clinical depression, they have a third one. Praise the name of the Lord. So to cheer up when I am depressed, I need to admit how I feel. I need to find a safe place. Number three, I need to turn my attention to God. We see all this in the story of Anna. We need, I need to turn my attention to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, the, the MSG translation, it says, take your everyday life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it where? Before God as an offering. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So, when I fix my attention on God, I will be changed from inside out. Many times we are trying to change things from outside in. Eating food, playing games, sleeping off, dressing up, shopping, shopping, watching TV, all this stuff. We are trying to change from outside in. And God is saying, when we fix our attention on God, you'll be changed from inside out. So if I can fix my attention, if God says fix your attention, it means I get to decide where it lies. I get to de decide where my attention goes. It means I am responsible for where my focus is. And I can't give my attentions to two things. So, it means how I feel is affected by what direction I choose to face. I'm filling the blanks. How I feel is affected by what? What direction 
I choose to face. So how, how do I do that? We see from, from Anna in verse 10 of 1 Samuel 1, it says, she prayed to the Lord. Now, you know, when, again, when somebody's facing clinical depression, even any, any form of depression, and just say, oh, just pray about it, you'll be fine. I don't think that is a really, you, you, I mean, it's like, it's like just religious-sizing it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just... But the Bible says, Anna prayed to the Lord. So what, what does that mean? By the time we get to verse 15, it says to us, this Anna, it says, answering Eli, it says, I was pouring my heart to the Lord. And that is the key. I was pouring my heart to the Lord. I was pouring my heart. I am not just saying some mindless prayers. I'm not just going through a routine. I am pouring my, I'm telling God how the thing is paining me. That is how I am telling God. The question is, when last did you pour your heart out to God? When last did you go to God? Sat down on the floor. You're not even, you're not even kneeling down. You're, you're just, you, you understand what I mean? Just sat down on the floor. It's like, and you like, you know, and you just are pouring out your heart. When last did you do that? Because the truth is that when I pour out my heart to God, I make room and enough room to let God fill me completely and to let him in completely. When, I'm, when I pour my heart to God, the burden is emptied. The vacuum is filled with God. So my focus is on God easily. Praise the name of the Lord. And if you look at the, the vow she made, she made this vow, verse 11 says, O Lord of heaven, If you will look down on my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you and it will be yours for his entire life. You know what she was saying here? She was saying this. If you put new life in me, I will invest that life in you. So he was saying to God, I want you to be a part of my life now and in the future. So you, you know that if a mother gives a, a son to God, the, the mother will have to keep coming back to, to God to check up on that son. So... He's saying, she's saying, if you, if you give this boy to me, I will give him to you. This boy is my life. It's my future. 
I mean, in those days, a male son is the life of the mother. It's the guarantee for many things to, to come. You know? In those days, though. <laughs> is this still happening today? <laughs> Praise the name of God. <laughs> so, so she was saying, I just don't want to be focused on you. Now, I just don't want to be focused on you until you solve my problem. I want to be focused on you for life. Wow. So, so, he's big. So, she was saying that because the son will outlive the mother. I want to keep my focus till the end of my life. So when I feel depressed, how do I cheer up? Number one, I admit how I feel. Number two, I find a safe place. Number three, I turn my attention to God. Number four, I let someone know that I am hurting. Write it down. I let someone know that I am hurting. I let someone know that I'm hurting. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says to us, Galatians 6 2, that share each other's troubles and problems, so obey our Lord's command. Now, you may, you may look at this and say, is it, is it not similar to number two, which is find a safe place? Is it not similar to find a safe place? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. See, it may be similar, but it's different. Listen, you can be in a safe place and not let somebody know you are hurting. Do you know that? You can be in a safe place. In fact, between husband and wife, the, the wife may be hurting and she's, her husband is safe. The man wants to hear her and, and she won't talk. What's the problem? Nothing. You're not looking okay. Are you fine? Yes. Is everything okay? Yes. Should I get you water to drink? No. So you can be in a safe place and yet praise the name of the Lord you don't let someone know you are hurting how many times have we had people in church hurting but they, they won't let anyone know they are hurting keep quiet about it 
You see, but, but the truth is I can't share your problems with you if you don't share your problems with me. Praise the name of the Lord. I can't bear the burden you don't share. You know, you, your brother cannot bear that burden with you if you don't share the burden. You know, Christians are an amazing group of people. You know one thing Christians say <laughs> is this stuff like, um, I want the Holy Spirit to tell him that I'm hurting. <laughs> now don't get me wrong, the Holy Spirit cares about you. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit has designed you and design community in a way that you have to talk. People are not primarily mind readers. Praise the name of the Lord. Wives do this to their husbands a lot. Don't you know I didn't like it? How will I know? If you don't tell me, hey, but you should have known now. How? 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 Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so, so the truth is this. If you don't share it, we can't solve it. Another lie, you know, Christians are just amazing people. The, the, the ones that won't tell you that the Holy Ghost, you just want the Holy Ghost to reveal it to you. And the Holy Spirit does reveal. The one he chooses to. So if he doesn't choose to reveal it, it's not my fault. Praise the name of the Lord. Another thing Christians do is say to <laughs> that I should be strong enough to handle this. Have you heard that before? I should be old enough to handle this. Don't die in silence. You know, there's a singer that talked about suffering and smiling. Suffering and smiling. Oh, sorry, I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm singing that song. I'm singing that kind of song. I mean, have mercy upon me. <laughs> You see people, how are you doing? I'm fine. That is one of the biggest lies. People talk in church. I'm not saying you should tell everybody, but you meet people that are, that are in, you're doing life together. They say, how are you? And you say, you're fine. You're lying. Can't we for once hear something like, how are you? Ah, I'm hurting. Do we get an amen? amen? Can't you for once be truthful? How are you? I'm not saying you tell everybody you meet you're hurting. There are people you do life with. They are asking you, how are you? And you're like, all is well. You know, master Christianese. See, but this thing is really bad. All shall be well. Hypocrites. 
Christians. Because that's, that's, the, that's the foundation of hypocrisy. You don't know that. When a husband can lie to his wife in the name that all, that will, all will be well, what if all is not well? I'm not talking about faith. I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. You see, you might stay in depression alone. You might sit in depression alone. But you are not designed to make it through depression alone. You are not designed to, to, to make it through this depression alone. And that kind of vulnerability is critical to healing. It's critical to healing. So, 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 Anna, if you look at that story, there were two people Anna opened up to. And these two people, are, they are symbolic of the two kinds of people we must open up to if we want to be healed of, of depression. Two people Anna opened up to. Anna opened up to Elkanah and Anna opened up to Eli. If you look at 1 Samuel 1.8, Anna opened up to Elkanah, her husband. It says, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Anna, why are you crying? And why won't you eat? Why are you sad? Now listen to this. Here's the bomb. Do I not mean to you more than ten sons? Now. 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 I don't think Elkanah was trying to ridicule Anna. And I don't think Elkanah was trying to make light of what Anna was going through. So what was Elkanah saying here when he says, am I not to you more than ten sons? I know every woman will say, mm, 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 mm. give me a son first. <laughs> if I give me ten, then I can now know if you are more than enough. But you see, Elkanah was not playing with Anna's emotions. Elkanah, what it means, what it probably meant, what, it, what I think it meant was like, Anna, you see, look, I love you. Even if God doesn't give us a child, I will still love you. Anna, it doesn't matter whether you have a son or whether you have ten sons. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, if you are single here, that you marry a man that will love you regardless. Yeah. And you'll be fruitful. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. But you see, you can, you can be fruitful like Leah and discover that children does not bring this thing. So, Elkanah was saying to Anna, our love supersedes anything God can bless us with or anything God will bless us with. So Elkanah was saying, could we look at what we have instead of focusing on what we don't have? As human beings, we are masters on focusing on what we don't have. When you looked at me, 
Did you focus on the shoes that I had or on the shoe that I did not have? Oh, you didn't even see it. <laughs> now, for those of you, did you, did you notice? Did you notice this? Okay, if you notice this, put up your hand. I noticed it. Now, thank you. Now, when you noticed it, what came to your mind? <laughs> what came to your mind? Where is this missing shoe? Did you not check everywhere on the, on the stage? You did. So, your mind, and that is how we are wired. We are wired to look for what is missing, not to celebrate what we already have. And it's a problem in relationships. So we have wives that are looking for what is missing in their husband that they think is in somebody else. We have wives that are looking for what is... Husbands that are looking for what is missing in their wives that they think is available in somebody else. So we are always looking for what... Okay, fine. What about what we have? And that was what Elkanah was saying to Anna. I've read the scriptures thousands of times. I didn't see it. Yes, you are believing God for A. Yes, you've trusted God for this thing for so long. Yes, but you see, if you're not careful, that can be the source of your sorrow. Instead of appreciating God for what he has done, And allowing it to be the source of your joy. We can easily say, oh, but I don't, how come I don't have a job? And I'm, I'm a graduate. Oh, yeah, you are a graduate. I remember years ago, you may know him. He's a public figure. He was a budget... Commissioner, Commissioner for Budgets for Lagos State, Pastor Ben Okabozi. Some of you may remember him. He was saying, he's, he's a very brilliant man. He was saying that throughout his secondary school, primary school, secondary school, there's this guy that always came first. He always came second because this guy will always beat him. I think towards the middle of their secondary school, the guy didn't finish secondary school. They just didn't see the man again, the, the boy again. He became the MD of Nile Bank. And while he was the MD of Nile Bank, he, 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 I think he even made a first class. He went to university, made a first class, all that. He says he was in a car on the street of Unicha. He said he saw this guy selling oranges. Selling oranges. Meanwhile, he was complaining that he needs a bigger job. And the, 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 the bigger job had blinded him from seeing shoes he already has on. You see, the trick about life is that there will always be something missing. It's a mystery about life. There will always be something missing. Oh, did Jesus not say our joy will be full? Yes, and it will be. When that joy is full, guess what? There's always a higher level. For a primary school student, what is missing? The SSC certificate. Oh, whatever. 
Waek, whatever it's called, primary school, common entrance. Okay, he gets it. There's something bigger becomes missing. What? Waek. He struggles, struggles, struggles. He gets it. Then something. I mean, there will always be. And guess what? It is a lesson that is only God that can satisfy us. It's only God. It's a huge lesson that since we have been children, God has been trying to teach us. So Elkanah was telling his wife. So it's easier for us to see what we don't have than for us to see what we do have. Verse 17 of 1 Samuel 1. Eli said, said what? There came the title of the series. Eli said, cheer up. May the God, Lord of Israel's armies grant you your petition, whatever it is. Eli didn't bother asking for a prayer point. Eli didn't even know what a prayer point was. Whatever it is. And you see, we all need these two sets of people to open up to. For me to be cheerful, I need to let somebody know I'm hurting. I need to open up to someone. And the first type of pe person I need to open up to, the type is a group of person. It can be one person, it can be a group of people. Is the Elkanas. They provide relational support. The second is the ally. They provide spiritual support. Because for you to be free and to come out, you need to open up to the Elkanah and the Eli. We all need relational support, Elkanah, and spiritual support, Eli. So when you let somebody know you're hurting, one thing you need to realize is they may... They might not say what you need to, what you want to hear. You know what we want to hear. But they may just say what you need to hear. Elkanah didn't say what Anna wanted to hear. If Anna wasn't spiritual, even Eli didn't say what she wanted to hear. But thank God that she was spiritual. So for me, to cheer up when I'm depressed, number one, I must admit how I feel. Number two, I must what? Find a safe place. Number three, I must turn my attention to God. Number four, I must... Okay, let someone know that I'm hurting. <laughs> number five, finally, I must believe that God will help me. After I have admitted, after I have found a safe place, after I have turned my attention to God, after I have opened up to the required people, I must believe that God will help me. Psalm 34 verse 5. You know that is one of my favorite psalms. 
He says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. They look to him. Everybody that looks to him are radiant with joy. As you look to God, you will be radiant with joy in the name of Jesus. So what it means is that what I believe affects how I act, and how I act affects what I believe. And it's going to show on my face. It's going to show. So you cannot see somebody that, has, that is, believes and is gloomy. If it does, it's going to show on your face. What is showing on your face is telling us what, is in, what you believe. If you believe and look unto him, you will be radiant. It will show in your face. If you are not radiant, you are not looking unto him. If you are gloomy, you are looking somewhere else. Check. So when I really, 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 really believe that God is going to help me, whatever the situation may be, that belief does not only exist in my heart or in my head. It starts to show in my face and in my actions. And that's what we see here in verse 18 of 1 Samuel 1. Anna went away and ate. And her what? And her face was no longer sad. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, it's not that the situation has not changed. The situation had not changed. Anna had not become pregnant. Did, did Eli impregnated Anna? Did the Holy Ghost overshadow her in the temple and, and, and give her a baby in the temple? No. So Anna hadn't become pregnant. We haven't seen the cute baby bump. She wasn't preggy. But. But. Her face had changed. So how? What happened? What happened? The situation has not changed, but her face has changed. So what happened? What happened is this. She was holding on to the word while she was crying. Now she has heard his voice through Eli. Praise the name of the Lord. That's what happened. Many times you hear God's voice, but you don't hear it. I pray that you really hear it in the name of Jesus. Many times, even when we hear God's voice, some people say to God, God, let me, let me continue to cry. I, I still have some. I want to finish my crying. Praise the Lord. So the voice of your God, and which, which God is this? The one who does not change like shifting shadows. James 1.17. She doesn't know how. She didn't know how it was going to play out. But she believed, 1 John 1.9a, that God is faithful and reliable. Faithful and reliable, and it changed our countenance. So, so when I hear his voice and trust his faithfulness, my response can precede the, the results. 
when I hear his voice and trust his faithfulness, my response can precede the result. Praise the name of the Lord. My response can precede the result. We're going to take the closing commitments. And we are all going to say this. The commitment. Are we there? Let's say it together. One, two, go. <laughs> to cheer up is a choice. Today, I choose to admit how I feel. Be in the safe place that God has put me. Let someone know when I'm hurting. Believe that God will help me and keep my focus on God. I choose to hold on to the word of God. I choose to hear his voice. I choose to cheer up. Hallelujah. So in case you are wondering what happened, in closing, verse 19 tells us, the Lord remembered our petition and in the process of time, a baby boy was born to her. God knows that you don't have the second leg of your shoes. He knows. But sometimes, you know, my work with God, some things just take a process. Ever was a process. It takes a process. So in the process of time, God gives me the other leg of my shoe. <laughs> and in the process of time, Issues. So let's assume I also need a tie. Now the God that has given me the shoes and now because I don't have a tie and I'm now crying again won't I remember the shoes? I know that since he gave me the shoes in the process of time, he will give me the time. And I will cheer up. It's about our hearts, it's about our heads. Father, we thank you. I want you to talk to God. If you are here, you are, you are saying, Pastor, I need you to pray with me. Now, I'm not belittling at all people that, are going, that have a heavy burden in their hearts. And what I'm going to do is this. Talk to God about it now. When we close the service, I'm going to stay back. And I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to lay hands on you. And the God that can reverse evil lunacy, madness, will heal you. And we touch you. Talk to God about the burden. You're saying, Pastor, I need God in my life. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. If that is you, put up your hand. 
I used to be born again by backsliding. I want to come back. But probably, probably, God bless you. Keep the hands up. Keep it up. Just keep it up. God bless you. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your word. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Let's, let's put our hands together for the Lord for his kindness and his mercies. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.